have you wanted to fulfill the vision and destiny for your life? If you wanted to fulfill it, God has a plan. He has a provision for you to do that, but we have to do it his way. That's what we're talking about today. Jump in with us and listen to this. Turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Now, you know about Abraham. Most of you have heard the stories about Abraham. God made him a promise that he would have many children, uh, many generations uh, in him. And th but the problem was he was barren. He was 75 years old and barren, never had kids. And so, but God made him a promise. And say this with me, God is faithful. God is faithful. Glory to God. So sure enough, he brings about a child in him after a series of events and Abram and Abram growing to Abraham. He was growing in the Lord and he brought about a child in Abraham. And then, of all things, after God brings the very thing he's been dreaming for for 25 years, finally has, and he's got this child, not much older than Luke, and all the, my son, and all of a sudden God says, give me your child and sacrifice him. Now, I've had moments like this uh, in my life because my dream I can remember growing up from the time I was about 10, 8, 9, or 10, and then 11 and 12, it became more defined that I was supposed to minister and be a pastor. And I remember that, and I grew up with it all through my teenage years, all through my young adult uh, years, and then I got here at about 30 years old, a little bit more than 30 years old. Uh, Nicole and I, we were married before that, but we got here to Albemarle, a little, I think I was 32. And I get here at 32, and all of a sudden the Lord leads us into a church, and he tells me to apply to be the pastor of that church. And I applied, and I was so excited. I knew this was the will of God. I'd heard from God. And the board said no. <laughs> and the board said, nah. And I was kind of like, well, why? <laughs> and they said, nah. No. And that was basically it. No. And then what was funny about that was, man, I just knew I'd heard from the Lord. I believe I did. Even today, I think that I did. But, but the problem was, I didn't make all the decisions. God lets men and women make decisions. And then the funny thing that God said to me, you know, here I am. In my mind and in my heart, I'm called to be the pastor and lead this congregation. And I, I have a calling and an anointing to do it. And they said no. And then God said this. He didn't say, go to the next church. He said, have I called you to that church? I said, yeah. He said, have I changed that? I said, no. He said, then plant yourself. Yippee. <laughs> then plant yourself. And my vision that I had to pastor this church and grow this church just went straight down the drain in a, in a split second. 
And he said, I want you to grow this. And then all of a sudden, here's what he did. Over the next year, he said, he said, you know that vision that I gave you? Because what I didn't tell you was up till the point where he told me to give my resume and pastor that church, for a year, basically, he kept giving me vision of what that church should be doing. And, and not only that, but at one moment, he turned, like I've always had a pastor's heart, but I never was in the office of pastor. And in a moment, he put me in the office of pastor. And I'm telling you, I had a shepherd's heart for the sheep like I had never had before. I had never had that before. And I mean, I came I love the people, but I came out of that prayer and my heart melted for every person in that body. I mean, melted. I knew what God had given me. So God had given me vision, just like he had given Abraham. This was, this was my baby. This was important to me. My heart burned to do this. I'm talking about its heart. Like I felt like I was dying when I wasn't doing this. And this thing that, listen, could I give this to myself? No, no, this was something from God. I mean, we can give ourselves a lot of things, and we can give things that we think are God, but this wasn't that. This was from God. And then God said, after he said, plant yourself, here's what he said to me. Kill your vision now. Now that feels very disrespectful. God, you gave me this vision. God, you gave me this vision. Think about Abraham. God, you gave me Isaac, the child of promise. And for the first time, I understood what Abraham felt, at least on some level. Because this literally was like a spiritual baby to me. And he, he gave me this vision, and he said, I want you to kill it. He said, the reason is because you are not the pastor of this church. You're not the pastor. And I gave you a vision to be pastor. But now there's another man that they have made pastor. And he has a vision. And you cannot have two visions. That's division. And you, I will not lead you to be the author of division in this church. And he said, kill your vision. Whew. Up till that point, the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do in my life the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. Why? Because God had given me this. I knew it was from God. And he said, kill it. Sacrifice it. And this is where Abraham finds himself. Let me tell you. I'll just tell you the end of the story. I killed that vision. It hurt. It took me a while to do it. But I killed it. And I'm telling you, it's the best thing that I ever did in my life. Because when that time, when I had served properly there and that time was over and I had served another man's vision in 2008 before we launched Boomerang in 2009, January 11th, this Wednesday will be 14 years, in our living room, he gave me a vision of our own. 
but I had to kill it and serve another man. And it was right, and it was proper to do so. And so I can understand what God said. I'll tell you this, most people are not willing to do that. They're not willing to plant themselves in a church. And, and that's, that's with them not even called to be pastor and without that vision. They just have a vision for their own life. And they're not willing to kill that vision and plant themselves and follow the plan of God. And that's why they won't fulfill their destiny. They won't fulfill it. Let, hear me again. They will not fulfill their personal vision without helping to fulfill the corporate vision of a local church where they're planted. It will not happen. Why? Because it's God's way. It's not my way, it's God's way. And I want you to see this. Now, I love this because in, in Genesis chapter 22, he says this. He says, he says, Abraham, I want you to give me your son. And look at verse 9. They came to the place of which God had told them. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, to slay the vision that God had given him. The vision now that's not just vision, it's manifest vision. And, God, and Abraham took the knife to kill that vision. He took the knife to kill it. And then, then he says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here I am. I want you to understand before I read this next part. Abraham, we learn about this in the New Testament. Abraham was fully committed to this. The Holy Spirit says in the New Testament that Abraham was so engaged that he had faith. He knew he was going to die, but here's what he believed. He said he knew God had told him to do it, so he was carrying through it. Here's what he believed, that even after he killed him, he believed that God would raise his son back to life. That's what the Holy Spirit says about Abraham. God will raise his son back to life. So Abraham was committed. He was going through with this. Now listen, I just want you to hear this. On behalf of all of mankind, as the father of faith, in Abraham's heart, he sowed his son that demanded a harvest. And this legal action of Abraham sowing seed broke down all the barriers that the devil had. Abraham is in the heart of darkness. Abraham is in the middle of the enemy's territory. He's behind enemy lines. But God had already pronounced in Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will remain. And here Abraham, in behind the enemy lines in the heart of darkness, he broke down every line of the enemy, every stronghold of the enemy, simply by doing one thing. He planted a seed. And in that moment, he, that's why we get excited about offering time. Because offering time, it levels the enemy's weapons. Like you start to sow. You start to sow your resources, your time, your money, who you are, your life. God says, I can't look at that and not bring about a harvest. Now watch this. You can't sow your faith. Remember the story? that she just told about fasting? 
That, that is, I don't feel this. I don't feel like fasting. I feel like I'm about to scream in fasting. But all of a sudden, you sow a seed of faith right in the midst of that. And what happened? A grace of God comes in and strengthens and empowers. You can't sow a seed with the heart of God and not reap a harvest. That's why oftentimes exciting. That's why. And here it is, behind enemy lines for all of mankind. Abraham, he didn't realize it, but when God pronounced a blessing on him, he took the mantle up of the blessing of all of mankind. All Because he'd already said, all the nations through you will be blessed. In other words, the actions of Abraham put the blessing of all of humankind in his hands. And when God said, give me your son, kill that vision, he didn't realize it, but he was planting the seed forever. And there was a harvest to come, namely the Son of God. Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who gave his life, the harvest to Abraham, the harvest for all humanity, the Son of God who gave his life. It was all done legally and upright, right in front of the devil's eyes, and the devil couldn't stop it because of a seed. Because Abraham took his personal vision and said, Lord, I'll kill it. In his heart, in faith, he planted a seed, And God said, that's what I was looking for. And at that moment when his heart, he's ready to plunge the knife into his son. He built the altar, put him on the altar, lifted the knife. And at that moment, the angel says this. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Does God know that you fear him? Or have you and your personal vision for your own life driven way beyond what God told you to sow? Has your personal vision for your life, for your occupation, for your retirement, for your vacation house, has your personal vision gone way beyond what the Lord said, stop? Has your vision for ministry gone way beyond? Does God know that you fear him, that you're willing, Lord, I put this on the line. This is a part of what you're seeing reaped right now in Boomerang is because back then I was willing to kill that vision. God says, that man will kill his vision. He said, he can handle more. But if you're not willing to kill it, then you're not willing, then you're not going to be able to reap it at a different level. You've got to be willing to put your life on the line no matter how you feel. I watch people all the time as they're, they're fighting to uphold what they think is right and what they think is good. And it's not based in God, it's based in what a corrupted world has taught them. And they go after that and they go after their comfort and they go after what the world has taught them is good and they go after all of these things. But what they're not doing is stopping listening to the Lord and hearing and fearing God to do whatever he says. Lord, I'm yours. I'm yours. He says, don't. He said, I know you fear God. You've not withhold your son, your only son from me. I'm telling you, 
for people that are called to be ministers, if you're not willing, listen, I understand that it God's, the callings of God and the giftings of God are without repentance. If God called you to minister, you be a minister. But if you're not willing to be that minister inside of somebody else's ministry and plant yourself to that vision, you are always going to struggle. You are always going to struggle. You got to be willing to be submitted. Why? Because grace and greater grace comes from that planting. Matter of fact, that's how God designed it. He designed it to flow that way. In Psalms 133, it says the anointing comes upon the head, Jesus, to the beard, the elders, to all, all the, the fringes of the robe. That means everybody in the body is touched when they are connected to elders that are connected to Jesus. And without the connection, there's no flow. There's no flow. There has to be. A submission. Listen, we've taken in this corrupted world and we've taken submission and turned it into a dirty thing and an ugly thing. And many Christian leaders have taken it and gone too far with it and they've tried to control people's life. But just because people do bad with it doesn't mean that it's not God's way. And when we understand that and we say, look, this is God's way, you know, this is God's way regardless of what men have done with it. Men have done wrong things with it, without question. Ministers have done wrong things with it. Ministers that, that were thinking the wrong things and ministers that were innocent in that, and both of them have made those mistakes. But there comes a point where you start to watch the fruit. Is that person trying to control me, or is that person trying to help me? And you watch that. You see how it is. Many times here, people are asking questions. Pastor, what do I do this? What do I do that? And what they'll get is, what is the Holy Spirit writing on your heart? How many people have heard me ask you that question? What is God telling you to do? And what you see is that that's not control. That's helping you to have a relationship with God yourself. But we've got to be willing to kill Understand that every single one of us growing up in this day and age have grown up with ideas and vision for our life that a corrupted world has, has affected. The corrupted world has affected our thinking and our vision more than we are aware. Which is why it's so important to go back to this supernatural book and the standard of the full counsel of the Word of God, and start from scratch, and start from the beginning, and rewire our thinking. God says it in Romans 12, transform your thinking by the washing of the water of the Word. Transform it. We've got to think differently. We've got to let the Word be our standard. Watch this. Verse 13. Then Abraham raised his eyes. <laughs> At that place, Abraham raised his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham called the place, called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said this day, in the mount of the Lord it will be provided. In the mount of the Lord it will be provided. In the King James it says this, and in the Hebrew, the name of that place was Jehovah Jireh. 
or Yehovah Yireh, if you're trying to pronounce it right with an English accent. That word means this, the Lord who provides, or this is the God of provision. I want you to see this. The word provision is simply this, two words basically, provision. Pro means to see ahead, to see before the vision that you need. You notice here that Abraham looked up. At that moment, something happened inside of him and there was a prompting. And Abraham was like this a second before and then all of a sudden he looks up. There's new vision. All right, Lord, if this is not the vision, there must be another vision. And Abraham lifts his eyes and looks. And behold, there's provision waiting on him right there. I love what Keith Moore says. He says, you know, at some point during that morning, that ram had to be sitting there walking around that mountain. And all of a sudden, he just felt like, I'm going to go up that mountain. And then he walked up that mountain, and then he got to the place right where the provision needed to be. And he said, that looks like an interesting thicket. Let me stick my head in there and wiggle it around and get it all caught up. And so that right at the exact moment that Abraham needed a provision, right at that moment... Abraham lifts his eyes and turns and there's his provision waiting on him. God had directed the provision. Why? Because God had seen that in this moment Abraham will need a vision. He'll need a providing for. He saw ahead. Provision. He saw ahead and put the provision right in place, right on time. And that kind of provision for your destiny has been laid out from the foundation of the world. God saw what you needed, when you needed it, and put it in your place. He saw it, and he's already provided for it. The question is, Would Abraham have had the provision had he still been in the valley because he wasn't willing to kill his vision? There was a provision waiting on him, but would he have ever received the provision God seeing before had he not been obedient and willing? If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But here he was. Here he is, and this provision is waiting on him. Right there. God looked into the the history and the future of time. And he said, right there at that moment, Abraham's going to need a provision. He's going to need a ram. And so at the right moment in history, in the right moment in time, he says, ram, head up that mountain. Turn left, turn right, stick your head in that thicket. And God set it all in motion at the obedience of Abraham. This is provision. God has a vision and a destiny for your life. God has a vision and a destiny for this church. God has a vision and a destiny for Boomerang Troy and Albalon and more. God has a vision for it, which means if He's given you a vision for it, He's laid up provision to get it done. How many people want to stand in front of Jesus and hear, well done, good and faithful servant? Man, I want to hear it. 
I want to hear, do you realize without fulfilling the vision and destiny that God's given to you, you won't hear that. So it makes our vision for our life very important. And that's what I'm talking about fulfilling today. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has provided a way to fulfill your vision. God has provided a way for you to fulfill your vision. One of, and I'm going to show you that today, and I'm going to teach you and show you how to fulfill your vision in a general sense. We're not going to get down into the, the, the big, big details of it. But God has a way to fulfill your vision. Wouldn't it be wrong of God to tell you, hey, I've got this vision and destiny for you, but then give you no provision to get it done? That would kind of be messed up, wouldn't it? That would be unjust. But that's not God, is it? That's not how God operates. That's not his character. That's not his nature. No, he says, i got vision and destiny. Oh, by the way, you can stand in front of me and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And just because I told you that means i got to empower you to get there. In other words, when I told you that that was available, in this word was all the provision that you need. It's all wrapped up in that. So for him to tell you, you can hear, well done, good and faithful servant, but leave you without the means to get it done, when it's all on him anyway, that would be wrong. That would be unjust. And our God is not unjust, is he? Our God is not unjust. So he's given us a way to fulfill that vision. I'm going to show you part of that today. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says this, but now God has placed the members in the body just as he desires. But now God has placed the members. What that means is every person that is a member of the family of God has a placement in the body just as he desires. Every member in the, in the family of God has a place. Hear that. Do you know how many people today are looking for their place? Every, think about it. God's already promised it. Every member in the family of God has a place. That's why when people come and visit, we'll tell them, look, we love you and, we, and, and we'd love to have you here. But the most important thing is that you are in your place. Because it doesn't say, if you put that verse back up there, it doesn't say he placed us in the, in the body just like we wanted. It doesn't say he placed us in the body where we were comfortable. He doesn't say he placed us in the body where our kids like the, the super kids. He didn't say that. He said he had a place for you as he desired. In other words, in other words, you got some gifts and you have some talents and there's a hole in that body without you that's designed just for you. Yeah. Levi, there's a place just for you. You found that place and it's just for you. It's just for you. I'm telling you it's just for you. It's just for you. And that goes for every person. 
Even if there's a guest here today and, and, and you're not a member or a tender of Boomerang, there's a place for you. And here's our goal as a church. Our goal as a church is, yes, to believe God for a multitude, but not to fill it with a multitude of people that are out of their place. We don't want to fill it up with people that are out of, out of their place because then they're going to be taking the place of people that should be here and they're going to be leaving a gap where they should be. We're not after that. We're after every member being in their place. This is, I'm telling you, this is a heart item for Boomerang. But lo love this as you hear it. God has a place for you. He's got a place. He's got a, for most of you, that place is boomerang. But it's, it's, God has a place for you. There, there may be somebody watching online right now, and you're looking for a place, and God's saying, boomerang's your place. If that's the case, move here. Get here. Plant yourself. We, we're going to love on you. You're going to hear more of that. We're going to love on you. We're going to be who God's called us to be. Here's a second. I want you to piece these things together. Look at that verse. Every person has a place, and God set that place. Psalms 92, verse 13 and 14. First word, planted. Planted. Where? In the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. They will, this is God speaking, they will flourish. Planted. They will flourish. You know the only person that doesn't like this scripture? The one who's not planted. The unplanted don't like this scripture. But a planted person and a person with a heart to be planted goes, Glory, I'm going to flourish. Why? Because that's a promise from God. Glory, I'm going to flourish. The ones that are planted in the house of the Lord, they flourish in the courts of our God. They, they will still yield fruit in old age. They will fulfill their vision and have fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. This is becoming more important to me these days. I go to bend down and I'm like, this doesn't feel as full of sap and very green as it did 10 years ago. I'm like, I, I need to make sure I'm planted. I'll take these things literally and figuratively. I'll take all the blessing I can get. Thank you very much. I'm planted. As a, if I start feeling like that, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, Brother Tracy and Brother Ted Sr. And I'm like, man, I'm planted in their ministry. I'm planted in, in their ministry. You guys are planted in this house of the Lord. I want you to see, he's got a place for every person. And that means that place is a planting. One thing, we've talked about this quite a lot, but I want to share it specifically today. Is, is the word says this, I think it's maybe John 12, 24. And, and it says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it will not produce fruit. Which means the planting is what? A killing of yourself, of the flesh man. It, it is a crucifying of the flesh. I'm not going after my own vision anymore. I'm going after yours. You see how these go together. Lord, I'm not going after my, my own vision. I'm not going after uh, my own thinking that I've had since I was a kid that the world implanted in me. I'm going after you. 
And that means I'm going to be planted in the place where God has placed me. What does that mean? If you're planted in a field, you think about it with the seed. A seed must die to the ground, to the soil where it is planted. And a seed falls under the supervision of the farmer. So God calls a field called boomerang. He puts a farmer over it and gives instruction and vision, a pastor. And he says, here's where boomerang's going. Here's where this house of the Lord is going. Here's the vision. Here's here's what it's supposed to do. And then the people decide to hear from God and say, boomerang's my field. That's my place. And now I'm going to go and plant myself. And they kill that fleshly vision. And they step in there and they plant themselves. They die to their own vision. Now, what's beautiful, I love this. This lady right here, several years ago, she's had dreams and goals and things that God had shown her from a little kid. And she always thought those things were outside of the church. And it was about five years ago. She walked up, she went, Pastor Brian and Nicole, Pastor Brian and Nicole, like, I've got something that God told me. I said, what is it? She said, I just realized I can fulfill all of that through the vision of Boomerang. And the the vision is so big, I can do all of that through that. I was like, yes, exactly. Because you are not in a house with a small vision. You are in a place with a very large vision. You're just here in the beginning stages. Whoo! I mean, if you call seeing all of the healing and miracles and the thousands of people being born again and the mentoring of leaders and pastors all around the world small, that's where you're at right now. That's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Because that vision that you have comes to life and flourishes when you're planted. But to be planted means to say, What is the vision of the place that I'm called to? What is that vision? This goes right in line with Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. You'll receive. I want you to start looking at it sort of like this. They're not separate. It's not division. They actually go together in one vision. And people don't realize this. The corporate vision of the church and the local body where you're planted and your personal vision are not separate. They're wrapped into one. They're wrapped into one. And God says, if you'll give yourself to me and my vision and the place where I planted you and give yourself to that, your vision will come true. I'll add it to you. And that's what revelation you got several years ago. Look at Luke 16, 12. Let's put it up here. He says, if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another, who will give you that which is your own? I've watched in my years of ministry, I've watched probably hundreds of times, hundreds of times, where a minister, a young minister is sitting in a ministry and they're in that ministry simply Uh, They would say that they're there to serve, but what they're really doing is building their resume and preparing to go out. That place, they're not planted there. They're present, but they're not all there. 
They're constantly thinking about the time to come. They're constantly thinking about what they're going to do when they're released from this place, which means they're not 100% there when they're there. And God said, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. And they would say, well, I am doing this as unto the Lord. No, you're not, because you're not planted. And he said, and the word says this, how can I give you that which is your own when you've not been faithful with that which is another? Which means the next step of that, if you are to have your own, that's got to come from God. And, And watch this. If you'll notice and you'll watch, this is what happens. And you can see this in the secular world too, not just ministry. But if you'll watch, it almost never, almost never, is a good, clean, friendly, in love change. Almost every time that it happens, somebody leaves and they're like, well, God's just calling me out. But nobody agrees about that but them. And they'll say, well, God's given me vision. And my thought is, how could he, when he's written Luke 12, 16, 12, how could he give you that which is your own when you haven't fulfilled that? See, and what you'll find is that that when you have a right operation and a good leader, a good leader will say, you can't stay here anymore. God is calling you out. God is calling you out. Where it gets to the point where God's so much behind it and it's so beautifully orchestrated. It's of God. It's not your own vision. It's a godly vision where you can't do that anymore. God's saying, you've got to go take hold of this ministry. You've got to take hold of this now. And it's in the person, it's in, it's in the leader, and it's in, and it's in the people as well. They know this is right. But most of the time, how often have we seen it done right? Almost never. Almost never. Why? It's not because all leadership is bad. The reason why is because our heart towards this issue is off. We've allowed corruption to come in. Haven't y'all seen the same thing? I've seen it time after time after time. I'm thinking, how can you have your own vision? You've not done well and handled well the one that you were planted in. Now, for many of us, this causes us to, to say, like even right now, right now, as I'm preaching this message, I'm thinking, how can I serve my leaders even better than I have? How can I do these things? Like I know something, something that happened just last night involving one of the men of God that the Lord has placed in my life, and I know what I need to do with that. And, and it'll cost me. It'll cost me time, and it'll cost me effort, but I know that's what I need to do. Why? Because I'm submitted, and I'm planted in that. It's not the same as the local church. A pastor does, doesn't necessarily operate. But guess what? I got a pastor too. When my pastor calls on me, I go. You'll see that. When a leader of mine calls on me, I'm there. Why? Because I'm sowing seeds for you. (laughs) I want you to reap the harvest in the right way too. Because there's an anointing that comes from that. A grace and a greater grace. And and when it falls on me, it falls on you. Listen, (laughs) you guys just a few months ago, you sowed into a grace on my life, into a new car. Cars are starting to abound in this place. Cars are starting to abound in this place. <laughs> I'm telling you, we got a testimony this week. I can't wait to tell you. I'm so excited to tell you. Cars are starting, why? Because that's what happens. When that grace comes on, that grace is spread. It goes from the head to the beard 
to all the fringes of the rope. You see, if we will focus on accomplishing the corporate vision in our lives, we will accomplish our personal vision and destiny. If we will seek first him and his things and where we're planted and seek to accomplish the corporate vision, we will accomplish our personal vision. Understand that when God says that you will flourish, he's not just talking about your vision and your destiny only. He's talking about your life will flourish. Things will just start to work. You'll just start to have favor. People will just start to to walk up and say, I don't know why I'm doing this. Here, take this. Why are you doing that? I don't know. I just feel like I'm supposed to. Do you know God? No. Listen, this is how it works. I'm telling you right now, listen, Boomerang, 2023, the year of glory. This is your year of all the goodness of God. And as you change your heart and you make sure that your heart is pure and planted in that way, the blessing of God starts to pour out in your life. And if you need to make a change here or there and get your heart right to be planted, then do so. Then do it. Get it where it needs to be. We can't accomplish God's personal vision for us without accomplishing His corporate vision for us. That makes the vision where we are planted in a local body very important. Because if we can't fulfill our whole destiny and vision without accomplishing the corporate vision of the local body, the local church where we're planted. That means the vision of that local church is extremely important to you hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. Because God's already said, I've placed you, and you now are supposed to plant yourself and seek first my things, my house. Seek first those things. That's God's command. Now, of course, men could run and do wrong with that. And that's where you watch the fruit of of the people. He he tells us in Hebrews 6, he says, imitate those or follow those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. They are walking in the power of God. They're walking in the fruit of God. You don't just jump into a place where you don't know any fruit or you have no testimonies of that fruit. Many people do that. They just go to any building that has church in their name on the sign, and they think that they're at church. You might not be at a church. You might be at a den of wolves. You might be in a den of thieves. Just because they put church on don't mean nothing. There's a whole lot of businessmen that, that know how to build a big crowd, and they just are looking to get people's money, and it's all business. It's all business. Well, you're not in that place. If that, was, if that was this place, then I'd be kissing your tail all the time. Because I'd be trying to keep everybody here. Obviously, that ain't this place. If you, ha- if you're new here, stick around, find out. That ain't this place. It's not how you, this is not how, the way we run this church is not how you run worldly business. And it never will be. 
And if it ever did cease to be, it would cease being a church. To fulfill your vision, the corporate vision, the vision of the church where you're planted is very, very important. I didn't say that. God said that. How about we as a people? Have have people taken this message and messed it up? Have Have they hurt people with messages like this? Without question. How about we as a church body decide we're going to do it right? How about we say, listen, other people might have messed it up, but I believe that through God we can operate where we need to operate and not mess it up and not hurt people. Right? Now I'm not talking about that, that we don't correct their flesh. You're going to have a whole bunch of people saying, well, they just hurt me. No, you had an uncrucified flesh that I started talking to, and you didn't like it because it's uncrucified. That's not, that's you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you step over into control and you try to manipulate and all that, and churches have done that. How about we as a body, and, and myself and Pastor Nicole as leadership, say, you know what? No. We're going to do this right. If God gave us this vision in his word, is what I just read you his word or mine? It's his. I'm not adding very much to it. I'm just reading you what he said and showing you other scripture to explain that scripture. And what I want you to see is this is him. This is his way. What happens when you start to do it his way? You move into obedience. What starts to happen? The blessing of God. How about we just make up our mind, we're going to walk in the blessing, we're going to do it right, and we're going to show, watch this, we're going to show the world it can be done for God's sake. That people can say, listen, I've seen a lot of churches do it wrong, but you want to know one that's doing it right? If you want to know how to do it right, look over there at Boomerang. What if we decided to do that? Well, that just can't be me. I can't just have my heart right on that. Who else has to be involved? All of us, right? Let's look at this. So if that vision is so important, let's look at how to have vision and fulfill it. In order to fulfill your vision, you have to communicate vision. Now communication, my dad used to say this all the time, I've said it to the kids all their life, is, Nicole was saying it right there, communication isn't communication unless you communicate. Sounds very... Dadish, doesn't it? Sounds just like what a dad would say. Communication isn't communication unless you communicate. And what that means is this. Stand up, Chris, if you would. That means if I have something to communicate, I, I have not properly communicated until 100% of what I was trying to communicate is communicated into him. So if I say a word, but he only gets 60% of it or 70% of it, I've not communicated. And if I'm the one charged with communication, then it's my job to make sure that that's 100%. So that's why you'll see leaders sometimes repeat things and ask you back what I say and things like that. What they're doing is they're making sure that the communication was clear. In your military communication, they have a whole way of doing that and how to speak certain things so that we know and they'll repeat it back and they have all kinds of uh, ways to communicate and make sure that the communication is clear. Right, But if you have, for example, if I have, uh, you know, you can use material things. Say that I want to communicate uh, this money, amen. <laughs> yeah, I want to communicate this money, 
You have to understand that, okay, there's a $20 bill. If I want to communicate, uh, God says, communicate $20 into Chris, right? I, I can't communicate $20 into Chris by giving him 16 or 19 If I'm going to communicate the 20 he's got to receive it all. So we have to make sure that it's clear, right? And so now watch this. I can say, Chris, this is your $20. This is your $20. I'm communicating to you that this is your $20. But have I communicated it to him yet? No, there has to be a reception. If there's not a reception of that, right? If there's not a reception of that, there is no communication. Communication is not communication unless you communicate. And I got to let go of it. As a leader, you can't just, listen, you can't just tell somebody to go do something and then you go do it. That's you holding on. So in vision... You understand, there has to be a complete giving, receiving, and releasing. And it has to be all of it. It can't be part of it. You can have it. Amen. It, I feel like you worked for it. Everybody else was trying to work for it. You can't have communication unless you communicate. So let's say, you know, here, watch this. Boomerang Church, a house of... Now, you would say that that vision is communicated, but do you know what that statement means? And if that vision is Boomerang's vision that God's given us, which it is, and you don't know what it means, and so therefore you can't accomplish it, that's the corporate vision that you're placed and planted in. Can you fulfill your personal vision if you don't know what that means? Why not? Because it's not been communicated Now, I can communicate it, but you have to receive it. And, listen, I have to release you into it. In other words, I can't just say Boomerang Church is a house of love and prayer and then Pastor Nicole and I try to make it so for the rest of our lives. Somebody else has got to take hold of it and they make it so. And we have to release them to make it so. We have to release them to make it so. That means when they're having, you know, they're, we're getting ready for kickstart. Glory to God. Anybody excited for kickstart? That means when they're having the meeting the other night uh, with the team to plan it all out, I can't, I didn't even know about it till it was already over. I didn't even know the meeting was happening. Hospitality team here at the church meeting, discussing how the hospitality is going to treat that. I didn't even know the meeting was happening. They're released to make that happen. The leadership team gives some directives. They pass it to the hospitality team. There has to be a release. Other people, remember in Ephesians 4, to grow you up, train and equip you to do the work of ministry. If it's always the leader doing that, there might be a communication, there might be a reception on the people's part, but there has to be a release. Now watch this. With that release then, where does the responsibility lie? With the people. The people have to say, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll be that vision. I'll make that vision happen. And without making that vision happen, will their personal vision come to place? Come to pass? No. So this is very important. 
We have to have, to fulfill vision, we must communicate vision. Notice this, are you, are you guys the only people that are ever supposed to be in Boomerang Church? Do you mean there's new people coming? There's a multitude coming? There's people putting faith for a multitude? What, in here? Now why do you know that? Because I've communicated vision to you, what the Lord said. You're believing for a multitude? All right, well, when those new people come, am I supposed to spend personal time with every single one of them? What if we got a 1,000 people? That's a lot of personal time. Do I have time to spend personal time with a 1,000 people? Who spends time, personal time with a 1,000 people? Who? Who? Are are y'all excited about that? Are they going to challenge you? (laughs) You better believe it. Every new person that comes in. Who's supposed to take that vision and multiply it and communicate it to the new people? Yeah, you. You. Well, then you better know it. You better get to knowing it. You better know what it means then. Because number one, you're tasked to bring it to pass. Two, you're tasked to multiply it. Be fruitful and multiply. You better know the vision. Or how to, how to fulfill vision, we have to communicate vision. Habakkuk 2 and verse 2 and 3 says this in the King James. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. And say it in God's voice. Write the vision. And make it plain upon the table. Okay, let's write the vision right now, right? Boomerang Church. Put it on the screen. It's coming. There you go. Write the vision and make it plain. Y'all have that slide ready. There's the vision and make it plain. How many, how often do you see this? At least every Sunday. At least every Sunday. Write the vision and make it plain. But making it plain is more than just putting a few lines on a piece of paper or on a slide. Making it plain is you know what it is, you know what your job in it is, and without knowing what your job in it is and then fulfilling that job, you don't fulfill your own vision. Your destiny is left incomplete. So we've got to know what those things are. He says, write the vision, make it plain, that he may run that readeth. That he may run. We're not called just to you know, do a nice little golf walk you know, through the park with the vision of God. We're called to run with it. We're called to take off. Have some momentum. Bust through the enemy's lines. We're not supposed to be like, Boomerang Church, a house of love and prayer. Living in its glory and abundance, whatever that means. Winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. That's not what we're supposed to do, is it? No, we're supposed to be excited about it. Expect it. God's given us vision. That means he's given us provision. That means when I do it, it's fulfilling my vision. That means in front of him I hear, well done, good and faithful servant. This is more than just a statement. This is something God is doing and provided me in my life to stand in front of Him and hear, well done. It's more than just boomerang church, a house of love and prayer. No, it's attached to your eternity. 
It's a, if you're planted here, and, and even if you're not planted here, if people are watching, the house where you are planted, it's attached to your eternity. It's something special. He says, run, that we may run. Our job is not to walk with it, but to run with it. Get some momentum in that vision. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, it shall speak and not lie. I love that. It shall, though it may tarry. Sometimes you'll have a vision, and you've got to work on that vision to get it done, and it seems like it's waiting, it's tearing, it's taking a little bit of time. He says, though it may tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. In other words, you just keep at it. You keep at it. Don't get weary in well-doing. Don't despise the small beginning. You keep at that vision, and it'll come to pass. Now, see, I'm not just talking about the corporate vision only. I'm talking about your personal vision. If God's given you that vision that's wrapped up with that corporate vision, it's going to come to pass too. Many of you have giftings and callings inside of this vision that is personal to you. God's going to bring it to pass inside of you. He's going to bring it to pass. And as you give yourself to the planting, you will empower that thing and cause that thing to speed up. How many people, you want, to, you want to fulfill God's vision for your life as quickly as possible? Yeah. If you want to do that, then the best thing to do is jump all in. Stop dipping your toe. Just get it over with. Just get it over with. Nesty plunge. That's for the older generation. But then it says this. Can two walk together in Amos 3.3? Can two walk together unless they're agreed? So how many people in here, how many people in here are called to the vision of Boomerang Church? All of us that are planted here and placed here. But can we actually walk, if we can't walk together unless we agree, you think we're going to run together? Have you ever seen like field day at school when the kids try to run together like the three-legged man? Like, they got to have some agreement. They, they, they can barely walk, much less run. And we're called to run, are we not? But we can't even walk without agreement. So the body has to come into unity over the vision. The body has to come into unity over the vision. That means I can't just have the vision in my heart, but you not know it. It, doesn't, it means we can't just know the vision, but then one person goes on this vision, another person goes on that vision. No, we've got to come into unity. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. And now all of a sudden you start to invoke some supernatural promises of God that you can run with it and you will beat back the devil's camp. This is what the devil's scared of. See, we know that Scripture says when you come into unity, you start proving that you are the children of God. When you come into unity, in Psalm 133, it says that God commands the blessing. What this body needs is a coming together in unity, an agreement over the vision that He's planted you in. Take it up, take hold of it, make it yours, and run with it together. That's what it's called. That's what he's calling us to. Let's turn to Genesis. Go back to Abram for a moment. Genesis 13. 
We'll start in verse 2, then jump down to verse 14. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2. To fulfill vision, you have to communicate vision. We need to agree on vision. We need to be in unity. Genesis chapter 2. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. You know, he was spiritually blessed. Yeah, he was, he was blessed physically because he was spiritually blessed. The blessing of God makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. And we're not talking about a blessing. This is a blessing of God. He just told them in the last chapter, you're going to be blessed. Now in chapter 13, he was not just rich. And look, it doesn't even say blessed and wealthy. Like those are almost like it waters it down. No, he just says rich. He was rich. He was rich. Not just rich. Very rich. Say it with me. Very rich. In what? Stuff. This isn't intangibles. This isn't Holy Ghost goosebumps and warm and fuzzy. No, he had stuff in his pockets. He had stuff. He was, because of the blessing of God, he had stuff. He was carrying something. He was very rich. Now watch this. I want you to see this is the beginning of chapter 13. At the beginning, Abram is blessed. Abram is rich. He's got stuff. Has, has Abram seen some fulfillment of some vision already? Oh, without question. All right, well, let's go on down because let's go to the end of chapter 13. Let's look some more. In verse 14 it says, The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Now, and hear this, Now lift up your eyes and look. Now lift up your eyes and look from the place you are. Now lift up your eyes and look from the place you are. Listen, boomerang, you are at a place. You are at a place. Now lift up your eyes from where you are. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Abram was at a place very rich. Notice that, notice that his very richness and already being blessed didn't stop God from giving him new vision. No, God's a God of increase. He, he had already seen some stuff. But God said, oh, you've seen some stuff. Now i got some more for you. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes and look. look listen, boomerang. Lift up your eyes and look. Lift up your eyes and look. And look, there's more. There's more coming. It's a year of glory. It's your year of blessing. It's your year of fullness. It's your year. Wealth and no sorrow added to it. It's your year. Lift up your eyes and look from where you are. <laughs> where you are. It's just the beginning. This is the beginning of his story. He's already very rich. God's going to take you to that place and more. You want to fulfill the vision? Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are. Northward and southward and eastward and westward. Don't just look one direction. Look every place I'm going to tell you about. Whoo! Look every place I'm going to tell you. Oh, there's some over there too. Oh, glory to God, there's some over there. There's more vision. Oh, hallelujah, there's more. 
Because your God's that big. Your God's that big. <laughs> Lift up your eyes. To say it in today's English, now stretch your eyes of faith. Stretch your eyes of faith. Don't you, don't you dare take the faith that's within you and keep it idle. Don't you dare take the faith that God's given you and allow it to be idle. God's got plans for that faith. He's got plans to prosper you and the people around you. Don't you dare take the measure of faith that God's given you and let that supernatural gift be kept idle in you. That is sin. It is sin to do that. Romans tells us that. Without faith, it is sin. Don't you dare take it. He says, listen, you've got a lot of stuff. How many of you, you you've seen some stuff and you've learned some stuff in God? You've seen and, and handled some stuff. You've had some moments with the Lord, even if you're brand new. It's like, yeah, I was saying, let me tell you, you're just getting started. Oh, we're just on the starting blocks. Oh, you just, you just felt uh, the little shot of adrenaline because you're stepping up to a race. You're at the beginning of the race. They're about to pull the trigger. You're about to take off and run with the vision. Everything you've seen so far, you just got to the starting block. You're just now getting ready to go. Stretch your eyes of faith. You, should, you might should write that down as this statement. Stretch your eyes. Listen, it's going to take a stretching of your eyes in faith, your eyes of faith, because your body and your flesh is going to try and hold you back from it. And you're going to have to, on purpose, no, I'm stretching my eyes to look. I'm stretching my eyes of faith. The world, your training, the corrupted nature of your flesh, all of it's going to be withholding and withstraining, withstraining. But no, that's not who we're supposed to be. We, on purpose, stretch our eyes to look. Stretch our eyes. We stretch our eyes of faith to look. And watch this. You look to see what God has given you. Now notice, it's not in Abram's hand yet. It's not in his hand yet. It's not manifested. But God's already seven said, I've given it to you. You see that? See, without stretching your eyes of faith, you would say, well, I'm just waiting on it from the Lord. God said, I've already given it to you. It's in faith. Are you going to stretch your eyes out and take hold of it or not? Are you going to appropriate it or not? You're going to grab a hold of it with your faith? Glory to God. Stretch your eyes of faith and look to what I've given. Verse 15. For, I hear this, all the land which you can see, I will give it to you and to your descendants forever. He's saying this, if you can see it, you can have it. If you can see it, I've given it to you. If you can see it, if you will stretch your eyes and not leave that faith idle and stretch your eyes into me. Now see, look, I'm not just talking about corporate vision. I'm talking about individual vision too. I'm talking about both. Start with corporate vision, but in the middle of that, God will start to give you in that. That, that individual vision as well. Stretch your eyes of faith. Stretch your eyes of faith. And see what he's given you. Because if you can see it. 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 Can see it, can see it. <laughs> what can you have? 
everything you can see that God's given you. Verse 16, and I will make your descendants. I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to pour it out in their lives. See, the, the most important thing you can ever do is you keep stretching your eyes of faith and going after God. And that blessing will pour down by spiritual family authority and everything. And your descendants will be touched by that. Most people run when they hit a challenge and it's the last thing they need to do. What they need to do is stretch their eyes of faith, set it on the vision, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not all their stuff, and go after God. And when you do that, it opens up a blessing, not just on you, but it reaches into all the descendants. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that if anyone can number the dust of the earth, then your descendants can be numbered. No, I'll, I'll spread this. If you'll stretch your eyes of faith, if you can see it, you'll have it. And when you do that, I'll bless your family too. See, now notice this with Abram. He's, he's just following the command of God. He's seeking first God's command, his kingdom and his righteousness. And in that, the stuff just starts to follow him. The, the blessings just are, his descendants are blessed. See, mo, so, so many people are so determined to handle their own personal vision and take care of their own personal stuff, and they miss that verse, Matthew 6, Seek first his kingdom, his kingdom, not your kingdom, his kingdom, and all these things will be added to your kingdom, right? And so here's Abraham proving it again. You just seek first God's will. You stretch your eyes to see what he told you. What's that corporate vision for you, Abraham? And let me tell you, let me make a promise to you. I'll handle the family. I'll handle those pieces. Now, I'm not talking about where you get so out of balance that you're gone always and you never spend time with your family. That's not what I'm talking about. Many ministers have done that, taken this verse to the wrong direction. And what they do is they have a logical idea of what the Lord's saying instead of seeing what God actually said and being attentive in the Holy Spirit. But you have to see that if we will set him first and get our relationship right with him and hear from him, he'll lead you right at the right place at the right time doing the right thing and you will be blessed and your family will be blessed and your descendants will be blessed and your neighbors will be blessed and your co-workers will be blessed and your church family will be blessed. That's who he's called you to be. You are blessed to be a blessing. Verse 17, arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Arise, don't sit back on the vision. Arise, get up, don't sit back on the vision. We're not supposed to walk with it, we're supposed to run with it. What are we waiting on? If you're in a place that's got a vision, you got no reason to be sitting. Man, did that rhyme? If you're in a place that's got a vision, you got no reason to be sitting. New t-shirt. <laughs> and you're in a place with vision. You see what I'm saying? Arise. Look at what he says. Look, he's standing up on the mountaintop. He's standing up on the mountaintop. He says, Abram, he said, look, look to the north and look to the south. 
and the east and look west. He said, look, you can see all that I have given you. But watch this. He says, don't you just take this overview. Don't just take this overview. He said, I've given you it all. He said, no, I want you to walk through the land. I want you to see what's here. Oh, I got, I got a buddy, and there's a Lisa. Uh, I, amen. There's a Natalie. There's a Pat. Oh, I'm walking through the land. Oh, I see, Miss Carmen. I see. Oh, I see. Oh, what else we got? Oh, we got extra chairs. Oh, we got some vision to be fulfilled over here. Oh, we got some extra. We, we, we got some stuff where we can believe God for cameras. We got some stuff. Oh, we can fill out. We can put some furniture in the lobby. Oh, we got all this. Uh, look at what we got in this vision. Oh, there's more out here. Oh, there's giftings. There's stuff and, and there's resources inside of people to come out. We didn't even know yet. He said, don't you sit on that vision. Don't just take an overview. Get acquainted with it. Let it become a part of you. He said, arise. Walk about it. See what's out there. See what's in there. Like, we don't just take... Now, here's why. We don't just take this vision. Boomerang Church, House of Love. We don't just take that vision and just repeat it. Now, we're not just repeating it. We're setting our eyes in it. Next week, we're going to look into that vision. We're going to see what's in that vision. We're going to see what God wants to do in a church called Boomerang because he gave us a vision. A house of love and prayer, living in his glory and abundance, winning souls and making disciples. Oh, I'm telling you, that vision is packed with good stuff for you. It is packed with an eternal promises for every person in here and many that aren't here yet. No, he said, arise. Don't sit back on the vision. Look into it and take it. Look into it and take it. Whoo, glory to God. Is this some new vision for Abraham? Is this some new vision for you today? Let me tell you though. Let me remind you where the chapter started. He was very rich in livestock and silver and gold. But that didn't stop God from giving him more vision. He just said, oh, you can receive. When I went to communicate to you, you knew how to hear, how to listen, and how to receive, and I could trust to release you into it. He said, oh, if that's the case, I've got more vision for you. And at the end of the chapter, after he's already blessed. See, I want to talk to you. You, you people in here who feel like you've arrived. You hadn't. We haven't. We haven't. Alarm clock. We haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. There's more in God. God's a great big God. He's a supernatural God. He measured all of the heavens, billions of light years wide, by the span of His hand. Everything you have, God's got more of in multiple. He's got more of in exponential. God's ready to pour something out on you. Amen! He's ready to pour it out. We're moving into it. It's our year of His glory. It's our year of all of his goodness. Oh, it's going to be in you. But boomerang, it's not just for me. Oh, it's not just for me. It's for you. It's for us. Oh, how honored are we to have the king of kings call us to a vision like this. How honored are we to have the king of kings say you can be a part of something. Will you be a part of what I'm doing? 
the humility of Christ to ask us to be a part after we turned our back on him. What an honor for him to say, I'll make you my image and likeness. I'll make you like me. You'll do these things and greater. You'll be more than a conqueror. You'll be an overcomer. You will occupy till I come. I've given you my blessing to be fruitful and multiply and take it around the whole earth. Oh, what an honor that we have. And how many people go to church every Sunday and they never sit in that place of that honor and honor him properly. They let vision pass them by. They never arise and take a walk about and see what's out there. They never stretch their eyes of faith. But that's not this church. This church is grabbing a hold of the things of God. We're going to step into it. We're going to see great and mighty things. We will not. We will not fall into disappointment. We will not be disappointed because we set our hope on Lord God, on the Lord Almighty, El Shaddai, more than enough, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Will you take hold of His vision for your life? Glory to God. Will you take hold of His vision for your life? Is it yours? Is it mine? Is it yours? Glory to God. Take it. Run with it. Make it yours. Listen, go back and hear this message again. You need this type of message. Actually, this is the kind of message that you need to listen to on a regular basis to remind you who you are and what you're up to. Don't just listen to it once. Put it in you. Let the Holy Ghost say some things to you. I guarantee you, you go back and listen to this message seven times, you're going to hear things every single time that are going to strike you up. You'll go back to it a year from now and listen to you like, he said that, man, I just, I get that. Glory to God. There's more than enough. I know I'm at a good place. I might be at millionaire status. That doesn't end the vision for me. That doesn't end it. This is a message for you. How to fulfill vision. You got to line up with God's will. Do it his way. But if you will, you've got all of heaven, all of the power and grace of God set and ready to release his power in your life. This is your day. This is your year. This is the year of God's glory. And I want you ready for it. And I want you receiving it. I want you walking in it. I don't want it to be a pipe dream. I don't want it. I don't want it to be a theory. I don't want it to be a fantasy. It is destined by God to be your reality, boomerang. It's destined by God to be your reality this year. You won't be held back. You're going to walk in it. You're going to be used by God. God's going to move through you. It's not just the pastors. He's moving through you. Fulfilling that vision. Taking hold of it. Glory to God. Get into the vision. Look at it. Get to know it. Make it plain inside of you. Take hold of it and run with it. It's yours for the taking.